and welcome to Positively Pro-Life podcast. Positively Pro-Life is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation and aims to bring you inspirational stories and conversation, important legislative updates and informative interviews as we seek to restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm your host, Ramil Tani, Education Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, and I'm joined by Maria Gallagher, a Legislative Director who is co-hosting with me today. So welcome, Maria. Thank you so much, Rimmel. I'm still battling a cold, so I'm a little bit raspy, but we'll get through it okay. We can hear you, so I think that's that's <laughs> that's good enough. Um, now, we know um, a few days ago, the Pennsylvania Department of Health released their abortion numbers for the year 2022, and it is tragic. The numbers are a grim reminder of all the precious lives our country has lost in that one year alone. And it is fitting that we have Melissa Odin, an abortion survivor, as our guest today to bring some perspective on the issue. But before we go into the interview, here's Maria with a detailed update on Pennsylvania's latest abortion statistics. Thank you, Remmel. The number of abortions in Pennsylvania increased sharply in 2022. Statistics released by the Pennsylvania Department of Health show 1,632 more abortions occurred in 2022 compared to 2021. In all, 34,838 abortions took place in 2022, a year when the abortion industry openly campaigned to expand abortion in the Commonwealth. The increase in abortions in Pennsylvania is truly alarming. Big abortion is responsible for the rise. The abortion industry has been quite public in its efforts to multiply abortions in PA. Every abortion represents the tragic loss of an innocent human life. In addition, mothers are left to grieve children who are lost to abortion. It is a family tragedy of epic proportions. In Pennsylvania, abortion totals would be much higher were it not for the many pregnancy resource centers, which provide free counseling and material assistance for pregnant women facing challenging circumstances. During 2022, Pennsylvania's state-assisted pregnancy and parenting support program offered true alternatives and options to women in their time of need. Sadly, Governor Josh Shapiro ended funding for the award-winning program as of December 31st. With the elimination of Pennsylvania's pregnancy support program, I shudder to think what abortion statistics will look like going forward. The best way to prevent abortion is to help pregnant women in need. Remmel. Thank you for that update, Maria. It's a, it's really sad what is happening in Pennsylvania right now. And we know that the Abortion Control Act is, is only keeping the numbers low for now, and that is uh, that it is in jeopardy this year. So we are going to have to do everything we can, and this is this is the time for all of us across the state to come together and um, and try to protect the this act from um, from being moved. So thanks, Maria, for that update. Now uh, we will go to our guest interview. Melissa Odin is the founder and CEO of the Abortion Survivors Network, the only support and advocacy organization in the world 
that offers hope and healing to individuals who have survived an abortion attempt. She has authored her own story in her first book, You Carried Me, A Daughter's Memoir. And today we are interviewing Melissa about her newly released book that takes us through stories of 10 abortion survivors, quote, whose resilience and courage humanized this discussion of choice and life emerging from the womb. Here's Melissa with Abortion Survivors Break Their Silence. Welcome to Positively Pro-Life. Thanks for having me. Always good to talk to you. Uh, We're very honored that you could be here today with us. Uh, So first of all, uh, how did this book come about? This this book has been four years in the making, really. It's something that I had on my heart for years. I often say I, I have this opportunity to be the keeper of so many great stories. And we know that those stories are powerful. That's why the abortion industry doesn't like to have stories of abortion survivors heard. And they try to discredit us. So you know, really, this was a labor of love for me and something that I knew was going to be really important because people need to put a name and a face to every preborn baby. And it helps to educate people about how how failed and stopped and reversed abortions even happen. Because if people want to say this doesn't happen, what they need to do is read the book and understand that it's so diverse how someone becomes a quote unquote abortion survivor. I downloaded a sample of the book and then I downloaded the whole book yesterday. So I'm more than halfway through and it is just so powerful, the stories that that come through. And I think one of the universal emotions that it seems like a, a lot of the abortion survivors share is shock because we really don't hear stories about babies surviving abortions. Is that what you have found to be the case? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, even this past year, we've seen, well, in 2023, we saw in presidential debates, there was a lot of backlash, right? When even the the conversation of an abortion survivor happened and the media would discredit them and, you know, say, oh, we've looked at that story and that didn't happen. But then the more they started to look at that story, they would kind of then concede a little bit and go, oh, yeah, well, that was a story that they shared within the family. But, hey, you know, that's why we need legalized safe abortion. What? When you go through story after story of survivor, nobody woke up and went, you know, I would really love for this to be my life story. I mean, Doesn't like almost losing your life in an abortion and being radically changed by that physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, having your family impacted by that. Doesn't that seem like a good time? No, nobody signs up for that. And so that's really what I hope, Maria, is that even in the pro-life movement, people can read this book and really put themselves in the shoes of survivors to understand our experiences and the experiences of women, right? That was one of my favorite parts of this book is to be able to share the stories through the eyes of the women who have walked through it as well. Wow. Um, oh, I've seen the cover of the book. I haven't really gotten around to reading the, uh, the book yet, uh, but I can see that there is a thought process, a very deep and profound thought process to the cover itself. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Part of what goes into even creating a book is, right, that whole concept of 
the color and how does it reach people and what are you trying to communicate? And even the title, Abortion Survivors Break Their Silence, like, there were other titles that we had considered and they're still important, but it is this process of, right, what is a kind of bold but yet soothing color? And so that's part of how we settled on the color of the book that we did. And even when we talk about breaking our silence, yes, that is a bold statement. It's bold to break your silence. But I hope that when people read the book, they also recognize that breaking your silence isn't necessarily grabbing a microphone and blasting it for the world showing up on a podcast. Yes, those things are important. But most people, the one thing we need to do is break our silence maybe with one person, right? And maybe that's a counselor or maybe it's telling somebody in your family and maybe it's a whisper, it's not a roar. And breaking our silence is different from person to person, but it is that breaking your silence that ultimately sets you free. And that's what sets families free. I mean, that's what I want people to see in this book as well is when we talk about a failed abortion or an abortion survivor, it isn't just the survivor, it's the mom who experienced that. It's the extended family. And it's not something that sits alone in one period of time. This lasts for generations unless we interrupt that cycle. Absolutely. Would you like to read us a little excerpt from your book? Oh, I would if I have it all handy. You know what? Let me grab. I can grab. Okay. Good thing I got some yesterday. <laughs> I think one of the pieces that I've loved the most in this book really comes at the very end where it's an encouragement to other people. And so this book not only includes the stories of survivors, but it includes folks who have been in the abortion industry or who have encountered a survivor like Jill Stanick did. So I'll read a little bit from near the end of the book about sharing, ex sharing stories and exposing secrets. Abortion survivors, their families, maternity nurses like Jill, and even clinic workers and former abortionists like Steve could all keep their abortion stories to themselves. They could decide to carry those untold stories quietly, privately. People must weigh their reasons for choosing whether to share such personal experiences, and I respect those reasons. But I also believe that abortion thrives in secret. As illustrated throughout this book, survivors' life stories are often shrouded in secrets, and they are. Most of those secrets are intended to protect survivors from the pain of knowing their stories. But no matter how well-intentioned, those same secrets can inflict even more pain as well as hinder healing. Yes, uncovering our stories can cause pain for both ourselves and for others. But along with the pain of truth comes the freedom of understanding. Understanding difficult family dynamics, understanding abuse and neglect, understanding the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual suffering that survivors experience. And understanding those truths is what ultimately sets us on a path toward healing. And I think that's a takeaway for other people as well, even if they aren't a survivor. That is a really powerful message uh, to get out there. And I, and I know that I'm most impacted by stories of people, because like you said, putting a, a face, uh, not just to the name, but to like this, this abstract concept that sometimes people think abortion is a clump of cells and all of these different ways that the abortion industries portrays uh, the procedure. 
Um, but so that that was very, very powerful. Um, how many abortion survivors are estimated to be out there with stories like yours? And that's part of the problem, right? The numbers are very hard to get to. We know through the CDC's own reports over periods of decades, they were reporting about 400 to 500 a year. In other places, you will see them talking about 700 to 800 a year. Realize that's in the United States alone. But when we look through data from Canada and correlate it to the United States, it looks like nearly 2,000 survivors in the last reporting period of surgical abortions alone. Those statistics out of Canada are consistent year after year. And what we find is in the failure rate of Canada, it's very similar to a failure rate that we find in Australia, which is the other place where we have the most sound abortion statistics on survivors. If people want to look through some of those white papers, they can go to abortionsurvivors.org and read more about it. But what I can tell you is really, even in the world today, babies are still surviving abortions. When folks want to say, well, listen, Melissa, that might have been something historical. We don't have those kind of abortions performed routinely anymore. That part is true. But what they aren't recognizing is the high failure rates of chemical abortions. So meta-analysis from Charlotte Lozier can indicate, right, we have about a 1.1 to in upwards of a 5 to 6% um, failure rate of both chemical abortion pills. We're not talking reversals. And when you look through some of that data, you can find very high statistics of failure rates in some of those reports, like double-digit failures. And then we add in the fact that those abortion pills, the later in the pregnancy that they're occurring, the less likely they are to be quote unquote effective, meaning taking the life of the child in the first time. So we have a much greater likelihood of a baby surviving both chemical abortion pills. And what we have found since Roe was overturned is that we have so many women who are experiencing chemical abortion failure who need help, they need answers, they need hope that their baby is going to be okay. And they need people to come alongside them and not just encourage them to seek another abortion, whether it is the pill again or a follow-up surgical abortion. So abortion survivors are not safe when they've survived the first abortion. They're actually at more risk than they ever have been. It's very important to keep in mind. Now, what are some of the common challenges that abortion survivors have? I think what people will find in the book is we're not who you expect us to be, right? I'm used to that, having been doing this work for so long. People used to get surprised by me. They'd go, oh, no way. Have you seen her? She can't be an abortion survivor. Well, listen, we don't look the way you expect us to. We we don't live the lives you expect us to. Granted, right, there's this whole continuum of how it can impact someone. And we experience babies who you know, survive the same type of abortion procedure at the same gestation, and they can have radically different outcomes. And some of that we just don't even understand from a medical standpoint. But then we have to realize that there are other factors at play when it comes to the emotional and mental impacts or even social, because it depends on factors like, are they raised in their biological family or adoptive? Has there been healing? If there isn't, there's patterns of abuse and neglect, like you find in the book that we are not afraid to talk about. Uh, so there's a lot of difficult factors that come into play, but you know, across the board, we can see a range from, you know, very mild 
um, physical impacts. So we may have some folks who, yes, are missing limbs or they're disfigured to, you know, having an immune system that doesn't function the way that everyone else's does because our body has been put in fight or flight mode from the abortion attempt. Then we see things like, you know, the mental health impact of that. There can be, you know, levels of depression and anxiety that just don't make sense to people outside of the sphere of the work that we do. But when you know the story, then it makes sense. Um, but then we see kind of that social emotional aspect, which can be, you know, feeling very isolated and alone. Living in the culture that we do compounds that because it's not necessarily safe or really kind of politically correct, unfortunately, to tell people that you're an abortion survivor. We shouldn't have to hide this. But that's part of what hinders our healing is that we live in this environment. And so that's why the work that we do is so important. And we've seen this radical transformation that happens when people even simply find out they're not alone. Oh, um, could you walk us through a story that maybe had an impact on, on the work that you do and how it has shaped Abortion Survivors Network? Every single day, a story impacts me. That is one of the greatest blessings, right? But at the same time, I think like you all, it, it sometimes causes me that hurt as well because I know the significance of every story. I think for me, one of the most powerful stories this last year came from a mom who had taken both abortion pills, like women in that position had been told the abortion was successful, right? That's what every woman believes when they have their abortion. Of course, they're going to believe that the abortion was successful. That's what they paid to have happen. That's what the industry will tell them uh, the outcome is going to be. And so, you know, took both pills, uh, attempted to go on with her life and, you know, about four months later had pain in her stomach, went to the doctor thinking that she had some sort of, you know, stomach issue, come to find out she was still pregnant. And in that position had a lot of questions, right? The number one question we get from women in that position is what have I done? What have I done to this baby? And then the next question is, right, is there any hope for them? And should I go ahead and have another abortion like they're telling me I need to? And in that set of circumstances, when our social workers started talking to her and were able to assess emotional support and where she was at with housing, what kind of, what kind of needs even drove her to the abortion in the first place, then as we assessed that and supported her, what we were able to find is she had some natural supports that she needed to tap into and just feel like she could be honest with them about what she had done. And so she ultimately carried that baby and gave birth to a healthy baby boy in August who is now meeting all of his milestones. And, you know, she put it very clearly. She said, you know, I would have done something really stupid if I wouldn't have found you guys. And we celebrate baby Buffalo's life alongside that mom. We still hear from them, right? I get to see all these kids grow up. And so that is life-giving for me. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think, what if we would have reached her before she took the abortion pill in the first place? So as much as we can celebrate the win that he sur survived being, you know, she didn't walk out a second abortion, but what, what could we have done as a collective group in the pro-life movement to reach that mom in the first place? Absolutely. How do you respond to those who say women should have a so-called right to abortion? There's so much 
(laughs) There's so much to unpack there. You know, in no other set of circumstances in our world would we ever say it's a right to kill another human being. So I would encourage people to be consistent with their thought processes, right? Um, In knowing that this is not a right to ever take the life of another human being. And, you know, the reality that without the right to life, there are no other rights. So that, again, is a consistent line of thought. Think about that. Without the right to life, there is no other right. Uh, And put themselves in the shoes of, of people like me and other babies who survive abortions. And then the shoes of the women who are walking through it as well. You know, the abortion is what has harmed so many survivors and women and families. And so we have to face that as a society. So can you tell us what the response has been to your new book coming out? uh, I understand it released yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was an early release in January. Yeah, uh, you know, not surprisingly, I I can realize uh, some of the responses that we get. Uh, I knew that this would be uh, both uh, an important book for people to read and also a lightning rod for some other people. And so be it, right? I don't I don't get to decide how people choose to respond to this book. What I am called to do is is share the stories and lead with the information. So yeah, no, it's it's been a powerful response, but I also know at the end of the, the day, there are some folks who are very... Um, Mm, displeased about this book. <laughs> well, because, for lack of a better term, because it's the dirty little secret of the abortion industry. Some right. of these babies end up alive, and right. then they don't—they don't want you to know that. Right, and that's—I mean, for me, that's a motivating factor of not only contending for the lives of every preborn baby and every survivor, but you know, ultimately knowing what a what a disservice the abortion industry and our culture does to babies and to women, to to families every single day, you know, just tell the truth, allow the voices to be heard, allow the stories to be told, uh, let people be helped. Why are we fighting over this? I mean, we know, right? We know why we're fighting over this. It's a slippery slope. And if they have to acknowledge us and the fact that this happens, then that ultimately leads down the path of whoopsies, Every preborn baby has dignity and value, and women or children are not in conflict with one another. But therein lies the rub. Uh, um, since we would like our listeners to get a copy of your book, tell us how and where can we get it? Yeah, Abortion Survivors Break Their Silence is that title uh, from Tyndale and Focus on the Family. Folks can find it, you know, on the Tyndale website. You can go to Amazon. You can go to Barnes and Noble wherever books are sold. Uh, and be sure, if do me a favor, folks, if you read the book, leave us a review, uh, because what ends up happening is we can get buried underneath the weight of the negative reviews and being discredited. So that is one easy action step for folks to put into action is buy the book, pass it along to somebody who needs the information, and then leave a review. That helps so much. And I think what many people might not realize is that there are hope and healing available for all those involved in the abortion. Absolutely. Yeah, that not that, again, one of those issues that is so frustrating is 
you know, by trying to keep voices like ours quiet, what it does is circumvent the healing happening for people who desperately need it. And so I think one of the most important things we can do right now in our world is heal ourselves, encourage that healing in other people and in our families, because we have, you know, over 50 years of Roe alone to undo when it comes to the devastation of abortion. And when we see the kind of things that we have in our culture after Roe has fallen, we should not be surprised by it because we have, you know, hundreds of millions of lives who have been hurt by abortion. And so until they go through healing, we are going to see the kind of things that we do. Yes. And you have been doing such wonderful work for, um, a number of years now, and uh, uh, what has the last year been like for you, especially since Roe? Um, I'm sure a lot of people have reached out. There have been, there's been a lot of activity in the way that Abortion Survivors Network, Network has grown. Uh, can you give us a glimpse into that? Yeah, I think the way I put it to someone the other day was, hey, remember that day when Roe fell and we were celebrating? That was the only day I had the chance to celebrate. Because after that, it has been absolutely nothing but digging in and it's worth it, but it is almost overwhelming to look back on the last couple of years and see it's a blessing, right? That we've had the kind of impact that we have, but everything from at first a over 40% increase in the number of survivors who reached out to then the number of mothers who have reached out even without us marketing to them. So it's been a year of really strategic um, planning and vision casting and then starting to walk out in a new way of marketing and serving to women um, who are experiencing these abortions that are failing or they're stopping or they're reversing them and really starting to train pregnancy centers and, and other organizations in how to speak to these women when they're coming through their doors and then allow us to then serve them long-term. So we have groups for moms, we have groups for adoptive parents that meet on a monthly basis. We have two social workers on staff. So it has been a huge undertaking for us this year, but it is a gap that has existed in the pro-life movement all this time. We've got less than a minute left and I'm wondering, can you summarize, what would you like the readers of this book to take away with them? That abortion survivors are real people with real stories who need real help and that behind every abortion survivor, there is a woman, the mother, there is a family, there's an adoptive family, and that this is not a political issue. This is a personal family issue. And so we need to acknowledge it and meet people where they're at and find a way to support them because that has this huge impact on all of us. Very well said. Melissa Oden, founder and CEO of the Abortion Survivors Network, the author of Abortion Survivors Break Their Silence. Thank you so much for being on Positively Pro-Life today. Thanks for having me. Positively Pro-Life is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life. <laughs>